Jesus has a few things to say about salt, and I want to talk about salt for a second. He uses it as a powerful metaphor, um, as I just said to you. You, my friends, are the salt of the earth. You make the earth a better place. Salt is ancient. Uh, you may not know this, but you'll die without it. You can't live. It's essential factor to life. Salt. Now, you can die if you have too much of it, too. <laughs> but it's essential to life. And it is uh, historically and anthropologically one of the oldest traded substances in the world. People needed salt and, uh, and would go to great lengths to get it because it does a lot of things. First of all, your body needs it. Your, uh, it's a, it's, it is the original first flavoring of ancient humans that discovered that things taste better with salt. Now, here's the truth. I discovered that just a few years ago. I've never been a salt guy. Obviously, I'm taking a salt intake and everything you eat, there's a level of salt. But I never salted stuff. I'm a pepper guy. I just pepper, 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 pepper. I pepper everything. I love pepper, right? But a few years ago, I discovered salt, which is really bad because I have high blood pressure and on medication. And it used to be that the doctor would say to me, do you have a lot of salt in your diet? And I never salt anything, you know? Now she says, do you have a lot of salt in your diet? I go, no, I never salt anything, but I'm lying. I'm, that, that's the only difference, but I'm, I'm lying because now I salt everything. There's not a soup that I just, you know, now I go to, I, my meeting place is Soul Park Bar and Grill. That's where I like to meet people and treat them to some food or a bite to eat or a soup while we do some talking about life. And I just salt the crap out of my soup. And it's like I discovered salt and it makes everything taste better. I know it's not good to be doing what I'm doing, but that's another issue. I love this stuff. I'm falling in love with salt. So it is a flavoring. It's one of the most ancient and original things to enhance flavor. Uh, and also important in the ancient world, it's a preservative. You salt meats and they will preserve. They won't spoil. You can imagine before the age of refrigeration that we take so for granted, at least I do, things spoiled, you know, and you, you, got, you, you shot, you finally got, and actually I watch Naked and Afraid all the time, and you know, they're trying, yeah, they do, and they're trying to hunt. It's like really hard to get something with a bow and arrow. So you can imagine ancient humans trying to get something, uh, and, but then when you got like a, a deer or whatever, you know, you got meat, but it's going to spoil unless you've got a preservative. And they discovered salt preserves meat and acts, acts as, a, as a refrigerator, so to speak. So in Jesus' day, salt was a huge commodity. This bowl has actual salt from the Dead Sea. I love it because I've been to Israel a bunch of times and 
Uh, we've been to the Dead Sea. Dead Sea's really cool, right? It's a super, super saline solution of water. So if you, as you've heard about it, um, you, you, can, you, you can't sink. You float. You cannot sink. You just lay out there and you float around. And only the, the only bad thing is, and Dennis will testify to this, because Dennis is in the back, and I remember Dennis, he went in and he went into the water and with his eyes open. No, never, ever do that. His eyes just about burned out of his skull. You know, the poor guy was flushing himself. Oh, I remember this little Israeli kid, right? This is hilarious, a little kid. And uh, he runs into the water and all of a sudden, he is screaming. He's maybe like four years old, five years old, screaming. He's howling. He comes out like he's literally on fire. He's rolling on the ground. He's kicking. His parents are trying to grab him. And they take him to the shower, right? And they pull off his trunks. And his little white butt, right, was fire red. And she's yelling at him, see, this is why you need to wipe your butt. This is why you need to wipe your butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I swear to God. And, it, and, and she's opening up his cheeks, and it looks, like, it looks like blood, blood red. So he had some raw cheeks, and he went into the salt water, and it, he was on fire. I mean, the kid was literally running completely out of his mind, and it was, and I'm laughing. Okay, I'm sorry, that's, that's me. I'm that sick sense of humor. If you hit a banana peel and eat it, I'm going to go, <laughs> well, well, it was kind of funny to me. So, but that's salt. But so they had this major salt trade because of the Dead Sea. Uh, it, was a, it was a staple. They traded it all over the world. But Jesus uses salt as a metaphor for us in the most positive way. Not butt burning, but as a preservative and as a flavoring that makes everything better. And that's what I feel you guys are. So, I, I, and this is, and this is the, the, but that's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point is I wanna read, it's really not. I, I, I was on a tangent there. Um, I'm not even looking at my notes. Um, okay. So, here's a little bit of Bible history, right? The Bible, when it was written by people 2,000 years ago, wasn't written the way we read it. There was no chapters, and there were no verses. It was just one continuous letter. It wasn't until 1,300 years later, the 13th century, that one theologian, divided the New Testament chapters and writings into chapters. And then it was 200 years later after that, 15th century, that somebody started putting little numbers next to each verse of those chapters. And I'm not saying that, that it wrecks it because it makes it obviously handy to tell somebody, look up chapter this, verse that. And there's a really good reason that they did that. But what can happen is that you can start to compartmentalize thoughts and ideas and even Jesus speaking 
into, well, the chapter ended here, now this is a new chapter. And this is a new thing that's happening. And sometimes that wrecks the narrative. In other words, there's a flow that's going, and all of a sudden it comes to an abrupt halt, and we start with chapter 5, verse 1. And we think like it's a new beginning, but it's really not. The thoughts of what was previously going actually are transferring over. And that's what this has to do with when it comes to this subject of salt. In Matthew chapter 4, you read this. And I'm going to squint hard here because I don't have my glasses. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And it's good news, folks. If there's something about Jesus that sounds like bad news, it's not Jesus. If there's something... You know, oh, like we were down in Hollywood Boulevard last night, and I saw a couple, well, one, we saw one group of Jesus people, right? And I took a picture with them. They were pretty hilarious. They were actually really wonderful. They were mostly all Asian, but a few other people in there, and they had crosses, and they had signs. But basically, all it said was, Jesus loves you, and that's what they were chanting. And I just thought that was really cool. So I got in the midst of them, and I took like, you know, the gang photo with the Jesus people. And then on the other corner was a guy with a big freaking sign like, repent, you're going to go to hell if you don't have Jesus. You know, those guys are down there too, the hellfire and brimstone, right? So looking at those two, if, if one of them is preaching good news, trust me, it's not the guy with the hellfire and brimstone. It's the people that were saying Jesus loves you. That's, that's good news. So Jesus is preaching good news about the kingdom. And then it says, and he was healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. Syria's in the news today, isn't it? And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases and those that were suffering in severe pain. And then it says that demon-possessed and those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them all. And large crowds from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the region came across the Jordan and followed him. Okay, I just want you to notice the crowd. Because it's going to transition into another chapter and another verse, and it sounds like it's completely broken apart. The people that were around Jesus were the downtrodden, the broken, the afflicted, the crazy, the hurting, the traumatized, the, the, the PTSD, bipolar, everything you can imagine under the sun. And now understand, as I've said a hundred times before, in theology of Jesus' days, if you had an illness, you got it because you deserved it. That's why I don't believe in karma. I mean, a lot of people do, and that word's thrown around, and they even throw it around using the Bible. You reap what you sow. And there's a principal truth to that. Don't get me wrong. There is a principle. It's just a principle, but it's not a rule because lots of people don't get what they deserve, okay? It's not karma. 
Jesus, I just read about this couple up at Santa Barbara. And why it was so personal is because Gracie, who goes to Santa Barbara City College, knows the teacher. And he's, in fact, he's in charge of a, a food bank at the school for starving students. And he runs this open free market where you can go once a week and you can, there's vegetables and fruit and bread and he gets it donated and, and starving students can take, take food from that. He and his wife are in Santa Barbara. They have four small kids and they are on the bike path walking well off the road. And a drunk goes off the road in the middle of the day and like careens like a hundred yards off the road onto the path, runs them down and kills them both. Leaving four little kids behind. They had a day of mourning for him at the school. Everybody was shook up. Wonderful guy. That's why, don't give me karma bullshit. You know, as a principal, yeah. There's a certain principle that what goes around comes around. I get that but let's not say everybody gets what they deserve because that was the saying and the theology in Jesus' day. You got leprosy, you sinned. You're paralyzed. I remember once the disciples come up and they see this paralyzed dude and they ask Jesus, it's just great. So who sinned, him or his parents? Because they would even put it on the parents. Oh, you've, you've got a shit disease? That's because your parents are sinners and they suck. And so you'd be sitting there, and Jesus said, neither. It wasn't about that. Random stuff happens, okay? So, this crowd of defective people are following Jesus around, and then he slides, literally, he says, follow them, and when he saw the crowds, now we're in a new chapter, chapter 5, which we tend to separate from four. He went up on the mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to them and he began to teach. So he sees this massive crowd of derelicts and defects and he sits on, 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 the, on the hillside and they all kind of gather him and he begins and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, both they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say things, kinds of evils against you because of me. Go ahead and rejoice. Be glad. As great is your reward in heaven. And then he says to them, all these derelicts and defects and his screwed up disciples, he says, you are the salt of the earth. See, it's easy to miss that. Because often in my life, when that was preached, um, being the salt of the earth was something I had to work towards. 
I had to be these, I had to have my shit together. I had to be a, I, you know, somebody, oh my God, she, this friend of mine, Michelle, she posted on Facebook like, I guess I'm the only person who just doesn't have it all together because it seems like everybody else around me has their stuff together. And I posted back like, you must be high on drugs right now because I don't know anybody that has it all together. I must be hanging out with the wrong crowd or maybe I'm just hanging out with an honest one because none, nobody I know that I actually know. And that's what I love about you. I know you guys, I know you. And I know you all don't have it together. And I don't mean that as a slam. I know you have challenges. I know you have losses. I know you have pains that can reach back decades that are still throbbing right here in your heart. I know that you have conflict. I know you have disappointments. And I know that's with relationships and children and your own hopes and dreams and, and your parents and any, we are all human beings, and man, we all have burdens. We're all defective. And what I loved and what I missed about that was Jesus was speaking, as Diane said, to people right where they were at. He wasn't saying, you really need to strive to be the salt of the earth. You really got to pull your stuff together. You got to get your ducks in a row. You got to get it cleaned up and lined up. Now, he was talking to the derelicts and the people that were struggling with addictions, the people who, who were bipolar, the people who were epileptic. The, you know, we, 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 we don't think about that today. In Jesus' day, can you imagine being an epileptic? You were hosed, you were seen as demon possessed. The devil was in you. Could you imagine having one of the countless syndromes that people have? Cerebral palsy. Can you imagine being a palsy? What you were looked at by people? Could you, could you imagine having spina bifida? Could you imagine having uh, bipolarism? Could you imagine being a schizophrenic? Holy cow. A schizophrenic? If you were a schizophrenic back then, you were demon-possessed. Mental health issues. It's rad. But, this, but those were in the fabric of everybody that was there. And Jesus said, you, you all, you am ha'aretz. You've heard me use that term. It's a Jewish term, people of the land. You are right where you're at, starting this minute, the salt of the earth. You are the flavoring that makes the world taste better. You are the preservative that is going to hold this shit show together. And that's what you people are. You're the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Then he says, you are the light of the world. Ah, what a metaphor. The, the, the truth is, and, and, and that's what I was just thinking about salt and thinking of the metaphor. 
it, it, it is who we are and, and where we're at. Now, a lot of people will say to me, you, Paul, you're, you can be very salty. They don't mean it like in a good sense. They mean like, I cuss too much. I'm, I can be a real ass on Facebook, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> I can be really opinionated. I can really uh, shoot my mouth off. I have anger issues. I, I mean, I do. Uh, people tell me that. You got anger issues. Because uh -huh. I'm really, really angry. I'm really angry a lot. And you may not know that because you see the sweet side of me. But I'm angry. You have no idea. I'm, I'm battling with the county right now. I, I've been battling my whole life with the county, right? And I'm, I'm in the midst of a death struggle. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling a 600-pound alligator right now. And I'm getting my ass chewed off by the county. They're just always hammering me and robbing me of money, right? Just thousands of dollars just to exist with codes. And I've got an attorney who's working for us $300 an hour. That's what he gets paid to help me fight the county, who then is charging me $3,000 so they can come here and look, $3,000, and make sure we have enough parking. I'm like, we got five goddamn lots. We can't fill them on a Sunday. This is not gonna take a parking study to understand that we have plenty of parking. You can just look at it. Here's the pictures. Now it's gonna be a $3,000 study. All right. So I gotta battle that while this week I had this kid that I've known for years. I've helped him out in the past years ago. He's an addict. I put him in sober living before. And he slipped and he's using heroin and he's salt of the earth, by the way, this heroin addict, salt of the earth. And he comes back to me, tail between his legs like, I need help. I, I want to get well. I've got a scholarship to go into a 90-day program and I've never done it for me. I've done it for my mom, I've done it for others. This time, I wanna not go into a halfway house. I don't wanna to try to do it myself. I want to go into this 90-day program. They're gonna take me, but I gotta pay the entrance fee and I don't have it. And I'm like, what is it? It's $300. It's an hour for my lawyer. What's $300? You got it, buddy. I talked to the director over there. He's plugged in. He's doing his 90-day stint. He clicked his heels, praised God, thanked the heavens, because he's going to fight for his life. And we get to be a part of that. Because we are the goddamn salt of the earth. That's what we are. Each and every one of you. And don't get upset when I say goddamn, because that's nuts. It's not taking the Lord's name in vain. I used to hear that from people all the time. <gasps> you took the Lord's name in vain. I said, God damn it. 
That's taking the, well, what do you mean by the Lord's name in vain? You cussed using the word God. That has nothing to do with it. You know what's taking the Lord's name in vain? You know what that means? It means he says, you follow Jesus, but you treat humanity like shit. You don't care about the poor. You don't care about the hungry. You don't care about the naked. You don't care about the imprisoned. You just think it's about me and Jesus, and I'm going to heaven, and I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm, I'm. That is cussing, folks. That's the worst kind of profanity you could ever hear or see out of a Christian's mouth. Is somebody who claims to follow Jesus but doesn't give a shit about anybody else. They need to pull themselves by their own bootstraps. They need to buck up. No handouts. No, free, no um, excuse me. Jesus said those? Salt of the earth. They're there to remind us of our need for God and our need to be God to other people. And that's when you get rubbed into the society. And that's why I know you guys, because you guys are not all about like, I am a ministry leader in my church. Who needs ministry leaders in churches anymore? Jesus. You just need to be people, good people, decent people, as screwed up as you are. As messed up as I am on Facebook one moment, I can be a brilliant and kind guy the next. As much as I lose my temper in this one moment and say awful things, I can be a pretty good sweetheart the next moment. That's not all that I am. And that's not what I want to be. But as, as, as Diane pointed out, it's already what we are. An awakening to that. It's not about achieving and rising up and trying to earn God's. Now, I finally checked all the boxes. I'm finally the salt of the earth. No. It starts now. I'm preaching to the choir. But this is on record. And it goes out from here all over there. And people hear it. And people get encouraged by it. And people realize, I may be a mess, but I am salt. God has seasoned me into this world, and I can make it a more flavorful world. I can make it a more strong world and preserve what is good. So peace and grace be with you, my brothers and sisters, the salt of the earth.